Knoxville Tower, runway 23 left at Alpha 8, taxi via Alpha Taxiway. No delay, wind 2904, runway 23 left at Alpha 8, clear for takeoff, traffic 3 mile final. Read back correct, tower for taxi, have a good flight. Welcome to From the Runway Up. I'm Becky. And I'm Caitlin. And we work in the Public Relations Department at McGee Tyson Airport in Knoxville, Tennessee. We understand that going behind the scenes in an airport these days isn't as easy as it used to be. So that's where this podcast comes in. Each episode, we'll give you a behind-the-scenes look of current events at our airport and in the aviation industry as a whole. So fasten your safety belts and join us on this aviation adventure. Thanks, everybody, for joining us today. We're really excited about continuing upon our last discussion, of our previous episode on Cirrus Aircraft. It's been very popular, and and so we are going to expand upon that today by talking about how, from Cirrus's perspective, they discussed what it was like to pick Knoxville and to pick McGee Tyson Airport as a place to put their business. We're going to talk to a representative from the Knoxville Chamber who helped in the recruitment of Cirrus. So if you haven't listened to the Cirrus podcast, you may want to put us on pause here and go back and listen to that uh, because it's a real good comparison between the two, what it takes from a company's perspective to come to a new market and then what a city or a county or a region even does to recruit a new business to the community. So with that, we have a guest from the Knoxville Chamber. Yes, we are going to talk with Doug Lawyer. He is the Vice President of Economic Development. He's a real interesting person who has worked with us on multiple projects. And and you're going to find that this is not only good for a serious recruitment, but all kinds of businesses in our area. So, Doug, thank you so much for talking with us on our episode this month. Can you start by just kind of giving our audience a background, your background, and then also a background on the Knoxville Chamber? Yeah, sure. So, one, thank you for the opportunity to speak with y'all. I'm really excited about this. My background, I moved to Knoxville in 1994 to go to graduate school at the University of Tennessee and have been in economic development ever since. First starting out developing and managing industrial parks for Knox County, and then I've been with the Chamber now for 17 years uh, in the economic development department. Go Vols, go. That's right. And a little bit about the chamber. Obviously, we're a membership organization. We've been around since 1869. We're getting ready to celebrate our 150th anniversary next year. So that's a huge milestone for us. Wow. Yeah, they're a lot older than we are. (laughs) We thought our 80th was big. (laughs) Yeah. Our mission is real simple. It's four words, driving regional economic prosperity. And so there's there's really kind of two sides to the chamber. There's the membership side, and we've got about 2,300 private businesses that are members of the Knoxville Chamber. Um, we do a series of marketing networking events um, around that, and then the economic development side at the chamber. And we serve as the economic development arm for the city of Knoxville and Knox County. And then we also lead a regional economic development initiative, which we call Innovation Valley, which right. we may talk about a little bit more later. Well, here hopefully today. we will, because that is a regional effort in economic development. But before we get there, uh, for our listeners who may not be as familiar with what that term economic development means, what does that role play within our community? And how do you said you said you're responsible for Knoxville and Knox County? How do you drive that effort? Yeah, great question. So economic development really simply is about making sure people have jobs. Any project that comes across our radar, we're looking at what is the net new job creation that could come with this project? What do those wages look like? And what is the capital investment? Um, and there's a lot of things that go on to, to make economic development happening from 
knocking on doors of existing industries to workforce development programs to entrepreneurial development programs to marketing on a, on an international scale that there's this place on the map called Knoxville and we think it's pretty special when we want businesses to locate here. Well, what role does an airport play in that economic impact when you're looking at that kind of situation? Yeah, airport, um, huge role. A, a lot of times you guys are the front porch of our community. We pick up a lot of people at McGee-Tyson Airport um, and it's their first time they've ever been in Knoxville. And so that first impression of when they when they walk into the terminal, that speaks volumes for what kind of community they're getting ready to step into. So certainly that front porch to the community and certainly from a logistics standpoint, getting not only goods and raw materials in and out from an air cargo perspective, but moving people around quickly. And with the amount of direct flights that we have out of Knoxville's airport, we're really well positioned for a community to serve the United States. And so whenever you are meeting with those potential businesses, the airport does come up? It comes up almost every single time. And a lot of times, you know, economic development projects on the big recruits, oftentimes we'll get an RFI or request for information about our community. And it's it's a project and it comes in under a code name, let's say Project Teddy Bear. And they want to know certain things about, about our community. And oftentimes we're asked, you know, where are the direct flights? Which markets do we serve out of Knoxville? How many flights a day? Or how long is it going to take me to get from Knoxville to Tokyo? Uh, airport is is critical in our economic development efforts. So as the airport grows, so does economic impact and economic development. Absolutely. What are other aspects that businesses ask about? They ask about the airport and the direct flights. What else are they interested in? Yeah, so they're always asking about specific real estate. So I need a site or I need an empty building to drop my business into. They're asking about infrastructure from a utility standpoint. They're asking about codes and the building construction process. They're asking about utilities and capacities and costs, taxes, incentives, healthcare, quality of life, all those things factor into, into that equation. So you're really an expert on Knoxville and Knox County. Really? I mean, if you know all of that, you've got to be an expert. <laughs> I'm not an expert on anything. I know a little bit about a lot of different things. That, you know a lot more than I do about the utilities in Knox County. <laughs> well, one of the things that we have worked with you on is the recruitment of Cirrus Aircraft. And for the people who listen to our podcast, we one of our previous episodes has been with Stephen Duker, who is in charge of the passenger experience or the customer experience for Cirrus. So tell us what it was like to work on the recruitment of an, an airplane developer like Cirrus? Because Stephen made it seem pretty simple. You know, they love Knoxville. Yeah, this is great. (laughs) I think a lot more went into it than he really alluded. Yeah. And Cirrus was a really fun project and it was a unique project. So it came in from the state of Tennessee's Department of Economic Development and it was under codename Project Thunder. And so, like I said, a lot of times these projects come in and we knew that the state had actually received an invitation to a big air show event up in Oshkosh. Um, and I think at the time, Cirrus had kind of put this message out to a lot of different states that said, hey, we're thinking of doing a new facility somewhere. Would you like to come talk to us? And thank goodness the state of Tennessee's folks in Nashville got that invitation and accepted it and went and met with them. And that's kind of where it started. It was a definite collaboration at the regional level to recruit Cirrus here. Certainly the airport and your great team at TYS was critical. And the forethought to develop the West Aviation Area, to have that acreage sitting there with runways in place and infrastructure in place, 
was absolutely critical, but a, a collaboration between the Knoxville Chamber, the Blunt Partnership, TVA Economic Development, State of Tennessee Economic Development, Oak Ridge National Lab, University of Tennessee, a lot of these folks came together to help us out on the recruitment of that project. So you get to represent our city to a lot of businesses around the country and around the globe. What kind of reputation does our area have and how do people see us? Does that put us in a good category or does it put us in a less competitive category? No, I think we're we're in a really competitive category. And when people are thinking about Knoxville and this, this region, they're thinking a lot of things. They're thinking one, location. They're thinking quality of life. They're thinking technology. And that's a big part of what we're really trying to kind of pivot and from a marketing standpoint, bragging about the technology assets of this region with the University of Tennessee, a major research institution in the Oak Ridge National Laboratory, one of the world's strongest research institutions. Having both of those entities right here in our backyard makes us pretty unique. And, you know, that was one of the things with, with Cirrus specifically when we were trying to kind of pitch this place as a place for Cirrus to land was to be close to that technology and the advanced materials and the carbon fiber and some of the research that's happening at the lab and the University of Tennessee played a pivotal role for the state to get on their radar and then certainly for Knoxville to end up the winner of that project. And for the people who don't know, Cirrus's aircraft, a lot of that is carbon fiber. Most of the fuselage itself is made out of that. So That's having right. that direct uh, link to technology was a win in our column for, for the airport yeah. and for the community. And Stephen also mentioned in last episode that Cirrus was looking at a bunch of different cities. So how does that competition look? I mean, competing against other cities, what does that entail? Yeah, well, when we're lucky, we know who our competition is. You know, we knew in that project that we were competing with several other states. And then even within Tennessee, there were other cities that were competing for that project. It's kind of an interesting part of the story. When we all went up to Duluth, Minnesota in December, I think of 2014, to kind of make the final pitch to Cirrus, we went as Team Tennessee because there were, I think, three communities at the time that were still vying for that project, even within Tennessee. And so that really spoke well to the folks at Cirrus to say, you know, we're all competing with each other. We all want to win the project, but we want Tennessee to win it versus one of the other states. And so that spoke really well. So we we actually did a joint presentation and then each respective community had their private time with CRS executives to make the actual local pitches. That's an interesting part of economic development. When you can find out who your competition is, you you try and dig in and identify their weaknesses and play to our strength. But sometimes you don't. And so you're just kind of shooting in the dark. Sometimes we don't know. Sometimes we don't know who the company is we're sitting across the table from hmm. um, for a long period of the recruitment process. Because it's Project Thunder. It's not a company name. That's right. Why, did, why is that the case? Well, a lot of times they may be, it may be a company that is maybe shutting down a facility somewhere else in the world and going to relocate it. And they want to keep that private until they're ready to make that announcement. Or they're going to expand operations and they don't want their competition to know. So oftentimes we have to sign non-disclosure agreements to say, you know, we're not going to disclose any of our conversation. So it's a strategic move, not just a fun name. Right. Right. We do have fun naming Who projects does? around yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> Project is. Caitlin will be yeah. the next Ooh. one. Yeah. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. And so how did the airport project become Thunder when we hate all Thunder, Lightning, all of that? How did they come up with those? Yeah, names? really. I don't know where that did name Sears came from. Did Sears pick the name or does the state pick the name? It depends. It 
We need to get on that. Yeah, yeah I want to yeah. be on the naming committee. Yeah. <laughs> We're thinking of selling naming rights for economic development yeah. projects. <laughs> That'd there be we great. can get a project back Yeah, in. then I would get one. I'd have to yeah. have a whole project. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Okay, so when you were preparing for these uh, possibly nameless companies, are the packages that you put together for them very similar at the very beginning of this, and it gets more detailed as you learn more and get deeper into the recruitment process, or are they specialized from the very beginning? Every project is unique. There's kind of a standard cadence for the things that they're asking, but every RFI comes across the table and it's a little bit different. Sometimes those RFIs are a single page. Tell me all the 10 acre sites you have in your community. Sometimes they're 50 pages long, Excel spreadsheets where they're asking all kinds of interesting, intricate details about the community. And so we've done enough of these that we're, we're pretty good at it, I think. And we've got a great research team and a great team here that helps us pull that information together quickly. So how many RFIs do you get? Is it once a week? Do you get 20 a month? How, what kind of flow comes in? If you look at, in fact, we, we did this recently, kind of pulled some numbers. It's probably about one a week is a good average like I said, some are really quick to respond. Some take a, a lot more. Sometimes we create a customized password-protected micro-website to respond to an RFI. We did that on the, when we pitched on Amazon's HQ2 project. We created a, a special micro-website for that that now we've got it ready in the can and we can take off Amazon's logo and throw up Becky Huckabee's Oh, yeah, because I have a business. Yes. (laughs) So you mentioned earlier that you all went to Duluth in December, and I know that Cirrus announced that they were coming to Knoxville in May. What does a timeline look for one of these projects? Well, that was a pretty quick one. So that that one, um, the initial inquiry came in in July of 14, so the summer of 14. We started collaborating as a region and with your all staff and airport authority and everyone Usually a year for a big project like that is a pretty kind of standard timeline if there is such a thing. A lot of times projects will, there'll be a big rush and we're we're behind schedule and we need to pick a site and then it goes on, I call it the black hole of silence for months or a year or two at times and then they come back to life. Our job is to be respond and, and ready to go whenever they decide that they want to come in and they want to spend some time in our community and um, kick the tire, so to speak. Whenever these companies do site visits, what are a few of your go-to places to show them other than the beautiful airport that we have here? Other than the airport, of course, you know, we pick them up there. We try and get them into downtown Knoxville because it's so vibrant and there's so much to do and encourage prospects when they can to stay downtown, to experience downtown. We try and customize it. I mean, Cirrus was a great example because they wanted the Cirrus lifestyle. They wanted to make sure that their clients that were coming in to pick up their new $2 million jet could go to Knoxville and have a great dinner, you know, stay in an amazing hotel, go to a Broadway show if they wanted, go to a resort in the Smoky Mountains if they wanted. That was a big part of that site visit was showing them some of the, you know, the restaurants and the venues and meeting the some of the chefs that maybe were out at Blackberry Farm and now have started their own restaurants all over town. But we're always trying to show them downtown, show them the assets, the university, the National Laboratory, the community, and then the beautiful industrial parks that we have everywhere. Speaking of which, are your available resources or plots for development limited? It feels like Knoxville is really booming and our even our region is really booming in development right now. So are there available plots? Is it something that you have a lot of resources or are you finding that you're getting a lot of requests for sizes of property we just don't have? Yeah, you know, if, if somebody needs more than 100 acres, we're not going to have it in Knox County. 
for a single site. Now, the beauty of a regional partnership with Innovation Valley is maybe one of our surrounding communities, Loudoun, Blunt, Roane, Oak Ridge, Teleco, might have that asset. We are in the process of, with some of our partners with the Development Corporation here, specifically in Knox County, bringing on some more business park property in the next 18 to 24 months. So Midway Business Park at exit 402, dirt is supposed to start moving this week in early September, mid to late September. Oh, wow. And then Carnes Valley Business Park, right behind Carnes High School, is going to bring on about another 60, 70 acres for business park development. So... Product development, we call it an economic development, takes a long time and a lot of money because East Tennessee is beautiful, but we have to make flat sites. Yeah, Um, we don't have a lot of flat places around here. We're not Memphis. Except for around the airport. Well, that is how the airport actually got selected, the location for the airport, because it was such a large piece of flat land and there wasn't a whole lot. So can you talk a little bit, we've talked about the Cirrus success story. Can you talk about a few other economic development successes that we've had recently? Yeah, sure. So one of our most recent large manufacturers is a company called Lifetime Products based out in Salt Lake City, Utah, and they produce kayaks and paddle boards and folding tables and chairs, and they sell a lot of their product to Walmart and Sam's Clubs. So they needed to expand their manufacturing operation, and they found a building in Knox County that used to be a distribution center for General Electric. They acquired that building. They doubled that building to 720,000 square feet which is now the largest industrial building in all of Knox County. They're going to hire 500 people. Wow. Hmm. They're going to invest about $115 million in their plant, which they are in production now. So they are cranking out kayaks left and right here in Knox County, Tennessee. So other than recruiting businesses to our area, can you talk a little bit about how you work with the airport authority in regards to air service development? So one of our great partners, obviously, is the airport authority and and your team out there. Air service development is critical. You know, I said at the beginning of this podcast that we have got great connections to a lot of different cities and, and everyone always wants more. They want more direct flights. They want lower cost flights, all that. So from an Air Air Force Airport, Air uh, air service (laughs) development standpoint, we have created the Competitive Airfare Partnership, which is based here out of the Knoxville Chamber. And it's it's a public-private partnership to partner with the airport authority and help to bring low fare, additional low fare service to McGee Tyson. And so that's a bucket of restricted dollars that we can use for incentive funds to market new low fare service coming to our airport. And I think our role in economic development is to make sure that your team has the right information and because air, airlines want to know what's new, what's different, what's growing, what's happening in your community. And you can read the data and statistics, but to bring kind of those anecdotal stories of, hey, Lifetime just is building a new major plant here. Or, hey, Regal Cinemas just expanded their world headquarters in Knoxville. Or, hey, this this project's getting ready to pop in Knoxville. Or Denzo's expanding and hiring a 1,000 people in Blunt County. All those things go together to help tell the story to an airline that's maybe looking at putting another plane or two in our market. Well, and if our listeners are interested in air service development, we actually have a previous podcast just centered around air service where we talk with Jim Evans, who Doug, you work very closely with, and he talks about what all goes into building those relationships. So for our last question today, we are wanting to know what does economic development look like for our community as we go forward? Um, Going forward, I think we're going to see a lot more technology-centric projects. I think we're going to see a lot more automation in manufacturing, which means higher capital investment, higher wages, but lower headcounts. So a a company that might hire 500 people today 
10 years from now, they might be able to do the same thing with 100 people. What that means is the skill sets that are going to be required for the human capital side of the equation are going to need to be higher and more intense. We're also seeing a lot of high energy, big power projects from the data side, data centers are picking up a lot of momentum coming into this region, tapping into the strong power grid that TVA has here and the local power distributors like KUB and some of the others. So with that being said, what can the community do? What can the chamber do to help get the workforce ready to accommodate those changes? Great question. I think one of the big things is career awareness, making sure that students middle school and younger are aware of who's in the community, who's growing, what those skill demands are. High demand for welders right now, high demand for machinists right now, high demand for software developers and information technology folks. And we need to make sure we're talking about that in our all the schools across the region um, and making sure that our, our training providers at the community colleges and the, the TCATs and, and elsewhere are cranking out those students that we need. So you're saying there is hope for my 10-year-old who likes to play too much Fortnite that be a software developer is actually going to translate into a paying skill. A paying skill, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But don't forget the soft skills. Yeah, that's right. needs to be able to look somebody in the eye and <laughs> yeah. shake a hand. We're working on that. We're working on that. So most of our listeners are from the area, but we do have some listeners outside of Knoxville and outside of Tennessee. So in a few words, how would you describe Knoxville to them? I would describe Knoxville as a thriving region that's got an amazing quality of life with four distinct seasons and a great location in the eastern United States. You've practiced that. Done. (laughs) And if they want to learn more, From an economic development perspective, I would ask them to go to KnoxvilleOakRidge.com, which is our regional economic development website that's got all kinds of information on the region from a business perspective and uh, our available sites and buildings database is on there, taxes, incentives, information all the things that that go into economic development you should be able to find on there quickly. Well, thank you so much, Doug, for talking with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I always learn so much when talking with the chamber about all the things that go into recruiting businesses and what they do on a weekly basis. Yeah, they to, stay busy. They do. I mean, they are constantly trying to grow our community so that we have more people flying on airplanes at the airport. And I thought it was really cool that all of the projects, I don't know why this stuck out, but all the projects have code names. I think that's fun. I know. I want to be in charge of creating Making those code those names. names. Yeah. <laughs> so that maybe we'll just do that for everything <laughs> from now on at the airport. Well, thank you all for listening to our episode this month. And if you noticed, for the month of September, we focused on Cirrus Aircraft for the first episode. And then this most recent episode you just listened to, we focused on the chamber and we kind of looked at it from a different perspective. Finishing out the year, we are going to kind of do that. We're going to have two episodes each month that focus on the same topic, but just in different perspectives. So we hope that that will bring a little bit more knowledge to the topic that we choose. Thank you all so much for listening and we hope you'll tune in next month. Thank you.